Hey, it's Jeremy. And before we get into this episode, you just know we got to shout out our friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South Ninth Street in Minneapolis is where you can find them. It's in the Marcy Holmes neighborhood, which is sort of in between Dinkytown and Northeast. So that's pretty centrally located as far as the metro goes. I come from the southeast suburbs in Cottage Grove myself, and it's still an easy like 20 minute drive. It's not that bad at all, no matter where you're coming from in or around the metro. It's an easy place to access. They have plenty of parking, but What's big about Ninth Street is what goes on inside the doors. Soccer, pickup soccer happens pretty much every night of the week. They have regular pickup, 40-plus pickup, women's only pickup. So if you want to get your game on, you want to get your pickup soccer on, there is a night and a pickup session for you. It's very affordable as well. So if you want to check that out, NinthStreetMPLS.com is where you can do that. Or if you're not into playing soccer, but you just want to be in kind of that soccer environment with other people who love soccer as well in and around the Twin Cities, you can check out their coffee shop and bar area. This is a cool space with plenty of great coffee options, tea options. I went there the other day. I had already had a full pot of coffee in the morning. So coffee was the last thing I wanted. It was in the afternoon. I still had some work to do. So uh, I unfortunately couldn't have any of the great beer options they have at Ninth Street. But I got this like hydrating tea that really hit the spot. So whether it's coffee you're looking for, tea you're looking for, beer you're looking for, or anything in between, Ninth Street has those refreshments for you there. And you can watch soccer you know, now is the time of year where soccer's on pretty much every hour of the day, especially with Europa League and Champions League and, and all of that. So if you want to go watch soccer with other soccer fans, maybe get some work done during the day, finding a spot to do that in a communal environment, Ninth Street's the place for you as well. Again, 801 South Ninth Street, Minneapolis. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Ninth Street MPLS. That's N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S. Or check them out online, NinthStreetMPLS.com. Huge thanks to Derek and the team at Ninth Street for supporting this podcast and sponsoring this episode. Let's go. What is up and welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing and alongside me for episode 114, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how are we doing? Um, I'm doing well. Another busy week, but uh, always, always fun to sort of lock back in with uh, talking to you about all sorts of craziness in Minnesota soccer. So looking forward to that. Before we get started, uh, I do want to give a shout out to our fellow Minnesota podcasters over at 55.1. They are ending a six-year run of weekly podcasts this week. Um, the uh, Wes, Corey, Rodrigo, Mark, and Jeff back in the day. Um, you know, th- this has been a pretty unprecedented run of 60. I mean, not many podcasts last six weeks, six days, <laughs> let al- six episodes, let alone <laughs> six years. So um, and, and obviously anybody who is familiar with the history of Minnesota soccer knows that much of that is aligned with 55.1 as a website as well. Um, really, the 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 standard bears, the, the, they set the standard for Minnesota soccer conversation and coverage. And uh, it's kind of what we're, in a way, trying to emulate at Soda Soccer and here with 10K as well, right? They sort of started it, and uh, we want to sort of take that torch and carry it on. So, um, obviously, a huge shout-out to those guys. A, a well-deserved break. 
Uh, evidently, they will still keep putting out periodic episodes, but not on that weekly cadence that fans have have come to expect over these last six years. Um, you know, obviously, I'm fairly new to the Minnesota soccer scene relative to you, uh, Dom. <laughs> you know, I just uh, arrived to Minnesota and started watching this team and covering Minnesota United specifically in 2018. And obviously, you've been around a little bit longer than that, so you probably have more of the context of what 55-1 has kind of meant to that Minnesota soccer community. So. Um, yeah, it's just, just a, a major, major run for those guys. Yeah. You know, that, um, uh, website slash podcast slash all the different things it's sort of been, uh, over the years has, uh, has been such a, a hub for, for that, for this aspect of the Minnesota soccer scene, the, the sort of the, the blog, the fan chat, the lower league um obviously nasl when that was relevant all of that you know is so connected to that website and and eventually that podcast as well and um it's you know the 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 evolution of that group has there's been some you know it's always sad to see a a website sort of slow down or in this case to see a podcast slow down um and and so I, i i'm sure there's many people out there that like me there's that unfortunate side to it. The, the positive, of course, is that, you know, this is just a decision being made by the people that make it. It's not like someone's forcing them yep. to do it. This is just what they've right. decided is best. And if it's going to happen, that's the best reason for it to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I can remember, you know, whether it was um, around that time when Minnesota United made the transition to MLS, sort of from uh, 2016 to 2017, whether it was, uh, when I started getting more interested in, in lower league soccer in the area, like the NPSL North, when I got into that and uh, with Duluth FC and also with E Pluribus Lunum, the, the infrastructure or the cement that had been laid down for all of that was, was started by uh, 51 or 55.1, um, you know, uh, on their website with, with articles that they would post from, from a, a lot of different folks. Um, Kyle Elias and uh, comes to mind as an example, but there are a lot of other folks involved with that as well. And um, yeah, so again, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's too bad, but uh, I'm glad that all of these changes have largely happened simply because, you know, it's just what the the people involved feels right. And, you know, no one's forcing them to stop. It's just things change. And obviously folks like Wes are involved with uh, prominent businesses and stuff that they have going on. So um, life, life is that way, but yeah, uh, it's too bad, but hoping, uh, the best with everything else that those folks have joined on. Yeah. And, and again, can't reiterate enough how much of an influence 55 one has been on, you know, the 10,000 pitches podcast starting in 2020. And then, you know, eventually broadening that into a website with sodasoccer.com just this past year. Um, you know, without 55 one, I don't think that happens. Right. So um, just a major, major influence. And um, yeah, can't congratulate those guys enough on uh, on their run and, and everything they brought to the Minnesota soccer community. And hopefully in some small way, we can sort of kind of take what they that foundation that they've laid and sort of, uh, you know, move it forward uh, here on 10,000 pitches and with soda soccer. So again, huge congrats to those guys. Um, speaking of soda soccer.com, if you haven't checked out the website, some really good sort of postseason postmortem pieces from Jacob Schneider and Eli Hoff. Um, if you follow our buddy, uh, our buddy, our, uh, fellow Minnesota United contributor, John Marthaler on Twitter, he actually put out his, uh, his five favorite articles that he wrote this year. 
for Soda Soccer, and he's had some good ones from welcoming angry Twins fans to Minnesota United <laughs> back when the MLB lockout was happening to a really good column on Emmanuel Reynoso, which happened earlier in the season, um, and and everything in between. Um, so go check those out. Um, just, just really, really good content all year long from our guys um, on the Minnesota United uh, beat. And uh, obviously, a lot more off-season news to come, which we will have you covered with at SodaSoccer.com as well. But obviously, we have the lower league season, uh, lower league breadth of the lower league scene covered with, uh, and college soccer scene with uh, the Gophers and St. Thomas and everything happening in the NSI as well. So um, you can get all your fix for all that over at SodaSoccer.com. And if you want to take that next step and become a Patreon and actually, you know, support us, uh, like Paul Schmedgel, uh did this week like Brian Hanf did this week. You can go do that over at uh, patreon.com slash soda soccer. Um, and it just helps, again, all of our staff, all of our writers, our content contributors, they are paid for their work. That's one of the things I wanted to make sure happened with soda soccer is kind of everybody gets paid for the work and the effort that they put in. And your support helps make that happen and help support our work. So if you want to go to that next step and support us, that's patreon.com slash soda soccer. Dom. Before we get into the news, which is plentiful this week, even though it is the news and the rumor mill is churning away, um, it is Halloween. We're into Halloween weekend, so I want to know: A, have you ever have you ever worn a soccer-related Halloween costume? Uh, if so, what was it? But B, also, what do you what would you recommend as the best soccer related Halloween costume this year for the people? Oh, wow. Um, I don't think I have worn a, a soccer themed costume. I've been to some, some very scary soccer matches in terms of <laughs> how the team <laughs> I wanted to win went. Um, I've certainly been scared by, by the game of soccer. Um, yeah, I don't think I have, but you know, right when you said that, I don't know if this is the kind of, I don't know if this is the answer that you were thinking of, but when you said that the first thing that came to mind as like a real, a proper commitment soccer uh, Halloween costume that uh, would be relatively easy to do, but would get a big reaction is uh, for a person to do uh, Brazilian Ronaldo, the triangle at the front haircut, yes. get get, yes. get like a yellow shirt. It doesn't even have to really be a Brazil jersey if you don't have one, and and just like do that. See who who knows what you're doing. That means that person is cool. Uh, I that that's that sounds like something that would be like a fun, a fun sort of one off. Obviously, the next day you can just shave the rest of it off, and you know, that's what came to mind for me. You could also put on a Brazil number 10 jersey and just roll around the person's front yard. And uh and I, that that would be that would be something you could you could do as well. Um I just you know, I would love to see somebody just wear like a like a super throwback MLS jersey, like a like a like a Chivas USA jersey. If somebody shows up to our house in, in a Chivas USA jersey, I'm just gonna dump the bucket of candy into their bag. <laughs> no matter how old they are, because I, I I love I love little little callbacks like that. Um yeah, I don't know. It's Halloween weekend, so I thought we might have thrown some soccer-related Halloween content. But if you are listening and you have worn a soccer-related Halloween costume, whether you were your favorite player or maybe, I mean, you know, Ted Lasso's got to be a pretty popular oh, Halloween costume, yeah. I would I would think, in the year of our Lord 2022. 
so you know, if you've worn a, a soccer costume from either like a fictional movie or like maybe I don't know, Airbud Golden Retriever, you dress your uh, dress your dog up as Airbud with a little soccer jersey. Um, I don't know. Uh, drop that in the on uh, on our Twitter at Soda Soc, uh, and any pictures you can add uh, would be well appreciated as well. Um, so we talked about the Patreon a little bit, patreon.com slash soda soccer. Each week you get a little bonus content for following us on Patreon. And we are going full reckless speculation on this week's <laughs> uh, episode of 10 K stoppage time, Dom. Could yeah. Joseph Martinez join Minnesota United this off season? Uh, if you, uh, haven't heard, it has been reported that Martinez has told Atlanta United, he ain't coming back in 2023. So, uh, you know, the rumors are swirling on where he could go. Obviously, Minnesota United needs some attacking help. So, uh, you know, there there could be a match up there. It could be a match made there. Um, so we're going to we're going to dive into the hypothetical of Joseph Martinez. What needs to be done and what he could bring to Minnesota United um, if that signing hypothetical signing does happen this, this offseason. So if you want that reckless speculation in your life, uh, follow <laughs> us, uh, support us, patreon.com slash soda soccer, and you'll get that episode of 10K Stoppage Time uh, after you listen to this one. Uh, but as far as the headlines and news, Dom, we start with Minnesota Aurora. The biggest news in Minnesota soccer this week did not come from Minnesota United. It came by way of the Aurora. And the club announced this week in a letter to its community owners it is currently in the process of speaking with investors, the NWSL, and the USL Super League about a potential move to the professional ranks. And Dom, I'm not going to say we told him so, <laughs> but I think we told him so. It was maybe about a year we ago. Maybe about a year ago. I, I, I don't know exactly what episode, but it's been a while since we speculated that, you know, uh, teams with multi-million dollar valuations – uh, you know, likely aren't aren't likely to stick in the amateur scene right. for very long. And uh, here we are, just uh, one year after its inception, or already uh, kind of testing the waters of moving up to the professional leagues. Yeah, you know, Jeremy, I may I may not have uh, dressed up as a Halloween themed uh, soccer player, but I sure am a soccer medium. So you know, yeah. conspiracy I, theorists us can see the future of the game. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, look, I, I think we, yeah, we we kind of thought this would happen at some point. Uh, frankly, I think there was a point where I thought it would just happen sooner <laughs> before yeah. even, you know, just because of the numbers we were seeing so early. But uh, obviously it makes more sense for, you know, this to have waited until they have a, a season to reference. Um, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, you, you saw the amount of support whether that be you know uh, being in person at games whether it be uh, financial uh the success they had on the pitch everything you, you you just saw how successful everything really was with this team from start to finish with this first season and uh it it, it was hard to not think well why wouldn't you try to do something a little bigger than this league uh you have the the potential quality of facility you have you know the, the quality of resources at certain points it wouldn't really make much sense to not try it so mm. uh it's uh it's it cool to see you know now that that is confirmed to be something that's in the works uh obviously the big question one of the big questions is is you know what league would they be trying to join mm. uh with uh 
with uh, the USL Super League and the uh, uh, NWSL. But, you know, I mean, that that's stuff that we're obviously not going to know anything about until, you know, for a while. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's really exciting. I think Minnesota showed this summer and has shown in the past uh, in, in ways, you know, that it's ready to support a well-run uh, women's soccer team. Uh, yeah. making it a professional team, I can only imagine would increase the interest. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, you know, I, I think it makes sense. I think it's exciting. Uh, we, we saw what they were able to put together uh, in year one to, to make a, a runner-up championship team. Uh, I imagine that, that that same skill and talent can, can be translated into something really fun uh, at the professional level. So, yeah, again, I mean, it's... Uh, it's really exciting. And, and and by the way, this is conjecture, but, you know, you think of it this way, there are Aurora players from the summer, uh, Morgan Turner comes to mind, who have gone pro yep. uh, and yep. gone off to various places, uh, in her case, Portugal. Uh, you know, you could have a situation where, whether it's this, you know, whenever it, it might not be the year one of the pro season, maybe it's your, whatever, but you could have a situation where Minnesota Aurora is able to then go back and sign professionally players that played as amateurs for the team. Um, you know, who knows? That's a possibility. So, uh, yeah, again, I just think it's a, it's an interesting, entertaining, uh, little thing that that's happening here. And I, I really look forward to them, uh, making that jump properly when it, when it comes. Yeah. They, they needed to prove the concept, right? Cause I think conceptually, hypothetically, we all kind of, we, we, we kind of knew that, women's soccer would be well supported and kind of take off if given the chance in Minnesota. But there, there's one thing you need to go from conception to reality there, right? You need to have a proof of concept and Aurora most definitely had a proof of concept this season. I mean, an average attendance of over 5,500 fans better than three uh, NWSL teams in average attendance in 2022. Um, and the announcements on Twitter, the team actually didn't make an announcement. It was all media types who saw the letter and and who got the 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 press release and kind of put that out. And you know, some of the responses to what, what we put on our Twitter were were very very largely ninety nine percent positive. But the negative ones, I can I can see where they're coming from because I think there's a little bit of the hesitation from when Minnesota United went from NASL to MLS. Mm they sort of lost a lot of that lower yeah. league ghoul factor a little bit, the freedom sure. that you get from being a local, a lower league team versus, you know, all the, the, the processes that you have to follow in MLS that might take away from maybe the personality that you had. Um, and maybe the local focus that you had when you were amateur or lower league or whatever, that yeah. step can mean a lot of different things, but my response to that would be, yes, that is true. There is the possibility that could happen. But Aurora proving that women's soccer works in Minnesota means that if Aurora is not going to be the one to make the jump to the pros, there is go there are going to be other entities coming in wanting right. to put a pro team in Minnesota, whether it's Minnesota United's ownership, whether it's something completely independent from uh, Minnesota, whether it's the Wilfs wanting to move the Orlando Pride to Minnesota, whatever it is, um, pro soccer is going to, pro women's soccer is going to be in Minnesota one way or another. And if it's not Aurora, it's going to be somebody else. So why not just have it, you know, 
be Aurora. It might as well just be Aurora yeah. at that point, right? Um, so that's my only thought is, you know, proving that concept does mean that we are likely in the next three, four, five years to get pro women's soccer in Minnesota. And if it's not Aurora, it's going to be somebody else. So sure. the team that kind of proved that concept, when you look at it, should should be the team to yeah. to make jump and sort of get the get the reward from that, right? Right. I think yeah. I think a couple things. Um, one, to your point about the um, the 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 portion of uh, negative or, or or you know neutral responses in the relation to the Minnesota United move, I think that's probably true or at least a factor. Um, I, I do think, you know, people feel a certain way about how the fan to club relationship changed when that move happened. Um, I agree with a lot of those criticisms. For what it's worth, I actually think that that connection is still stronger than it is for most MLS teams. But yeah, no, correct, um, yep. but but it is different now. And, and, and so I can understand how that would um, cause uh, someone to be hesitant. One thing I'll say is a couple things I'll say. Minnesota United was never what Minnesota Aurora is. So Minnesota United did not start as an amateur fan-owned team. Mm-hmm. So while the while the while the association is understandable, it's a little misleading. It's a little misleading for for you know people to kind of assume the same thing will happen. Um, and, and the fact that Minnesota Aurora both starts from a different place in terms of level and also financial structure to me is a reason to have more hope that that wouldn't happen. A couple other things. It's very possible that they move to the, the USL Super League, the USL having a much better reputation in terms of allowing clubs to kind of do their thing mm-hmm. um, than, than, say, the NWSL or MLS does. Um, and, and, and also something to throw out there, and, and I believe that this was uh, reported as part of the, the series of reports that the, that the person I'm about to say made about this uh, uh, Norman Seawright. Um, about this news, I believe it was him that that noted that he was under the impression uh, that this was not ceasing the operation of a W League team, mm. and, and that it seemed like the team would still have a team they would field in the W League as potentially a, a reserve side. I guess is what it would become. Um, now, obviously, all of I mean, there's a lot of conjecture here because it hasn't happened yet, <laughs> but no. but that was what was being talked about. And so if something like that happens, then you have a, a, a team and organization that, you know, all the things I just said about the financial structure and all that, but then also it still has a physical connection to where it started, a physical connection to that lower level of the game, that amateur level of the game. And I think all those things kind of help uh, keep an organization uh, rooted. So mm-hmm. again, yeah, I understand the, 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 the concern or the source of the worry, but I, I think there's factors in the ether here that um, just makes me not particularly concerned that we'll end up, you know, five years from now with a, with a minister Aurora quote unquote going corporate and, yeah. you know, <clears throat> becoming some sort of shell of its former self or something like that. Yeah. It should be noted that, you know, there are USSF standards about community owned clubs and, and professional being professional yeah. teams that, you know, a, a certain percentage of your ownership has to be from a, a kind of single entity investor, basically, 
and that investor, right. depending on the league, whether it's Super League or NWSL, has to have a net worth of, of so much money and blah, 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 blah. Um, so it's still unknown kind of how this impacts the community ownership model. I think Aurora has been pretty steadfast in saying that no matter what happens, they're not going to be losing that community ownership model completely. But as far as what percentage of the club is community owned versus what is single entity owned, that obviously will fluctuate and change depending on on where they go and yeah. what move they make. They'll um, have to figure out we, the same thing that, you know, Detroit City, for example, had to figure out. Yeah. There are, there are clubs that figure it out. So I, I, yeah, it's possible. Absolutely. It is 100% possible. Um, I, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too much, but this is a super fun hypothetical conversation. So I kind of just want to keep rolling with it because I think okay. this is a lot of the thoughts that, that people are having too. So if this team does go pro, let's say, okay, if it's the USL Super League, they could probably still get away with playing at uh, TCO. Mm. Um, I would I would assume if it's in WSL, you know, we're seeing attendance numbers in the NWSL playoffs that are setting records of 21, 23, 25, 27,000. Yeah. Um, the the San Diego Wave just during the regular season at their first game at their new stadium had over 30,000 fans in attendance. I don't know if you move to the NWSL that you could stay at TCO and, you know, stick with Probably that not. five to 6,000 uh, seat number if you're Aurora. So let's just say it's NWSL for hypothetical sake. Yeah. Let's just say it's an NWSL. Where's this team going to play? Because I, I, I don't want to like put Minnesota United in a negative light when it comes to this hypothetical, but I can't imagine them just opening the doors of Allianz field to Aurora and being like, yep, you can play here. No problem. No worries. Um, and you know, not allowing a team that's not under their ownership to have that playing surface and playing field in a season that also overlaps with Minnesota United's. I can't imagine them being super welcoming to that. So I don't know. It's just an interesting thought of, of, you know, where, where would they play? Or maybe Minnesota United is the ownership group that comes in and, and takes (laughs) over part of Minnesota Aurora and, and does that. That's just so many things in, in in play here and so many boxes that obviously need to be checked, but there's just so many questions right now. And I think that's part of the fun is like kind of going down these rabbit holes and thinking, okay, if this happens, what are they going to do here or where are they going to play? And a lot of, I wonder could they, I mean, they, if they want to challenge, you know, the, the limits of the NWSL that they might still have to do some, like some building on this, but could they, could they use, um, uh, NFC. I, I was I, almost I thinking, you know, this has been proved out to be a good soccer venue for Minnesota United. What about TCF Bank Stadium? I think uh, it's Huntington Bank Stadium now. Yes, but I mean that's hosted soccer that's before. Fair. It's obviously got the dimensions to have that kind of you know pitch and playing surface. Um, obviously, that's playing fair. on football lines is never ideal, but you know you'll yeah, you'll but... make some concessions there, but. That's interesting because I mean that capacity is, you know, they had more than fifty. Minnesota in their final match at TCF had more than fifty thousand in attendance. Right. So, you know, that's yeah, that's that's a, that's a big shout. That's yeah. a good shout. Hmm. Yeah, interesting, interesting to think about the the possibilities. But yes, Minnesota Aurora is uh, talking about a move up to the professional ranks. Um, not a huge surprise, but obviously a big sort of statement that. After year one, they're already having these conversations. They will be in the W League in 2022. Uh, that is confirmed. 
um, or excuse me, 2023. Sorry, they were in the W League in 2022, obviously. <laughs> they will continue to be in 2023. Um, what happens in 2024 is is up for uh, interpretation. I will say, though, that one week, if you're listening on Friday, one week from today is the expansion deadline for the NWSL for 2024. So if they wanted to make an expansion bid for NWSL for 2024, they would have to do it in one week's time, in which case we would, we would know what they're going to do. But I also think that might be a quick turnaround timeline for them, given they just kind of started having these conversations recently, but we'll see who knows. Maybe next week we'll be talking about uh, an eminent Minnesota Aurora to NWSL in 2024. We'll, uh, we'll see there more news to come, obviously. We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W. had to say. She said, quote, Nate was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pencehomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pencehomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let him know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pencehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Moving now, though, to Minnesota United. And uh, a few pieces of news. We will get to the rumor mill in just a minute. I know everybody wants to talk about the rumor mill churning, but a few pieces of news that has been confirmed that we do know about. Um, Amos McGee, new vice president of youth development. Um, Of course, formerly director of player personnel for the first team and uh, will now oversee the entire Loons youth development program. So, um, depending he's just kind of taking i see people who are like oh is this a demotion is this you know is he getting fired from his current role and just taking on this new role um i do think that the way minnesota's youth uh and academy system had sort of been um for lack of a better term ignored uh in the past i think this is a really good statement that they're really going to invest in the developments um underneath the first and second teams with Amos McGee taking this over because I mean, he's he's somebody who is so well respected in this community, in this organization, just in the soccer world in general. Um, I think that's a really, really good resource to have. I think they're gonna maybe gonna miss him on the first team a little bit um in that executive office, but I think he's gonna be a huge asset to this club in this particular role. Yeah, I mean, you know, as you uh, alluded to, uh this team has had a lot of problems since joining MLS with the the maintaining of that youth pool, that youth pipeline to the first team, all that sort of stuff. Academy. Um, As Soda Soccer uh, uh, writer Eli Hoff uh, chronicled very well a couple years back. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and, and there's been a lot of improvements on that. 
but you know when 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 you're starting behind the the kickoff line uh, you can't you gotta catch up so yeah. uh the fact that they're you know putting resources towards that putting key personnel towards that is encouraging to hear uh you know obviously we saw the uh, uh minnesota united two uh projects start well this year and and the academy has as you know is very active now um but yeah i mean it's 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 always good to see the team is is continuing to put resources towards that that goal um a lot of the long-term great successful mls teams get to that place by paying a lot of attention to their youth development so if if minnesota united long-term wants to sort of change its place in the league uh, making sure that they have all their bases covered on that front is, is is probably going to be one of the most important decisions they can make. Uh, so yeah, again, um, you know, just the, the fact that they're paying attention to that is, is encouraging. Yeah, it is. And uh, we'll see kind of who kind of fills that director of player personnel role. Um, you know, it's names that have been brought up have been, you know, Harrison Heath, obviously, who's kind of been the head scout for this team. And, uh, but there are other options. They may bring somebody in from the outside. So, uh, we'll you know we'll keep an eye on that as well. But now it is time to churn the rumor mill here. Um, and we're only bringing this up because actually the you know you know we, it, it's not Jeff Reuter or Andy Grader or Jacob Schneider who's breaking this news, but uh, Minnesota's eleven on Twitter um, is batting a thousand. On these uh, on these rumors that that he uh, yeah. or on these reports that he that they put out, so um, I feel pretty comfortable bringing this up. I will say at this point it's not confirmed; it is a report. I will call it a rumor at this point. But I think with Minnesota's 11's, uh, uh you know history of being right on these things, I think it's okay to bring up here. Um, according to Minnesota's eleven, I'm going to read this tweet verbatim: um, Minnesota United and St. Louis City SC have reached a transfer agreement for Azeel Jackson. Minnesota could receive upwards of 150000 in allocation money, including add-ons if incentives slash number of games played are met. And Minnesota retains a 15% sell-on clause. Um, obviously, we don't know if, if this is confirmed yet, but... Um, you know, we kind of have been speculating uh, just, you know, as you just mentioned, Minnesota United 2's uh, success in this first season. Um, obviously a big factor in that. He was MLS Next Pro MVP candidate. He was far and away the league leader in chances created this season. There was a lot of, um, you know, forward thinking, a lot of thought that, you know, AZ Jackson could be somebody who makes a huge, huge impact on the first team in 2023. Um, and somebody who could actually provide depth behind Emmanuel Reynoso in that number 10 spot. Um, so people were very, very high on, on AZ's prospects for this roster next year. But as this report indicates, it looks like uh, they might not have AZ Jackson in 2023 because they might be transferring him to St. Louis City. Uh, Dom, your initial thoughts or reactions to this? Uh, my initial thought is that if this is true, and ACL Jackson's future is not with Minnesota United. Uh, that is a, a, a big mistake by Minnesota United. Uh, you know, if, if this move is happening, I obviously at the moment do not know all the details of why it's happening and how it's happening. And I can appreciate that those details would, in, would potentially change my mind. But uh, sometimes 
you know, there's there's such a thing as a flat out should you want a player on your roster or not. Minnesota United should want Aziel Jackson on their roster. <laughs> yep, uh, this, I agree. Is, this is clearly a very talented player. Uh, still very young and, and, and very impressive. Uh, obviously had a great year with MLS Nets Pro. And it it's a little, you know, we were just I, we were just talking about the whole youth development thing, right? And I know that he didn't technically come up through like the entire ladder of Minnesota United, but as part of MNUFC two, we'll we'll kind of count that as part of this conversation, and uh, particularly because he's obviously younger. You know, I was very pleased with the seriousness that Minnesota United took. Uh, MLS Nets Pro with. They put together a good team, made a good run, obviously got a little unlucky with a couple of games, didn't quite make the playoffs, but overall some s- genuine attention paid to the league, genuine you know interest in developing those players, et cetera, et cetera. Some of those guys kind of getting broken into the first team, some guys like Jackson that people were hoping would be in the first team next year. Mm-hmm. If all of that, you know, all of that is that, if after that, Minnesota United's decision is to just sell the best guy out of that group. And that's just what that is. Now they're just selling those guys to whoever wants them. If they pay enough, that's a little disappointing. That's not, that's not a development pipeline. That's it sort of reinforces what we were just talking about when talking about the Amos McGee move is how this developmental pipeline has been treated in years past as sort of something that's that's not necessarily important but if it is important it's only important to turn a profit on the players that are within it and we're kind of seeing a little bit more of that here right so frankly i hope with all due respect to to uh the source or or the reporter rather um i hope this is wrong (laughs) That, that's my yeah. personal hope is that this is he got some bad info uh, and, and it's an incorrect report because I think it would be a really bad choice um, to sell Jackson. But, uh, you know, it's entirely possible it's happening. I think that if it is, again, like I said, it's a poor reflection of maybe the long term vision that the loons have for for that part of their development pipeline. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I, I mean, I'll, I, I'll, I'll just leave it at, it's not a development pipeline if it's just the guys that shine brightest just get sold off to other teams. That's not mm-hmm. a development pipeline. That's a, a marketplace. So yeah. I was hoping that MNUFC2 would be a development pipeline. Um, there's been times where it's looked like it's being used that way. But if your best offensive player for a team that needs offensive talent long-term if their best one is just getting sold off, that doesn't feel like a genuine use of it as a pipeline for me. So, yeah. This this team, this first team, the way that it's currently structured and built, aside from Mender Garcia, don't really have too many young pieces, just, just in general on the roster. Yeah. But specifically when you're looking at the attack, yeah, the attack is younger than the defense for the most part, but there's still guys in their upper 20s, pushing 30 in some cases. Um, again, aside from Mender Garcia, you know, 
Azeel Jackson is a really solid young piece that you could potentially, with his potential, could build your future around. Yeah, could build your team around long term, depending on how he looks next year. And I think he's obviously deserve earned that opportunity to do so with the year that he just put in an MLS Next Pro. So it is a little head scratching for me as well. Um, the number one hundred fifty thousand doesn't doesn't stand out to me as like a, a massive return for a yeah. guy of AZ's potential either. Um, so I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what details come out. Um, you know, if, if the money's difference or if all of this is as accurate as it's, it's currently reported, but yeah, if they are losing Azeel Jackson to St. Louis city, um, it is, um, it's a huge loss for Minnesota United. The the next season's roster is already taking a hit, in my opinion, uh, with this move. Um, A team that really needs to be replenished with younger talent, losing one of their best younger pieces is, it's never, never a good sign. So um, again, this hasn't been confirmed. I'm sure if it, if it is happening, it will be confirmed in the next couple of days. Maybe it's confirmed by the time you're listening to this. Uh, But as of the time we're recording, it's currently, uh, just a rumor and an initial report um, from Minnesota's 11 on Twitter. So um, I'm sure more to come there. Um, one final note, and uh, more of a shout out than anything, a major friend of the show, Yosef Elsawi. Uh, huge shout out to him. Won the uh, MNUFC FIFA Amateur Cup qualifier this past weekend. He'll now move on to represent the Loons in the EMLS Amateur Cup this coming weekend. Um, and, uh, if he, if he wins that, whoever wins that is actually getting a trip to MLS cup, which is pretty cool. Um, but I mean, just, this is somebody who's obviously represented teams like Valora, um, uh, in, in the esports stage before he's won the lower league E cup. Um, and he's continuing to kind of grow his, uh, his presence and his notoriety in the esports game. Um, obviously a, a very, very good FIFA player. Some of you've had on the podcast before talking about that. And it's cool to kind of see him get a, uh, I don't know if I want to call it his big break, but sort of just continuing to emerge in the national scene when it comes to FIFA um, getting to represent Minnesota United in the EM, EMLS Amateur Cup. Uh, I couldn't be more excited for the guy. That's going to be an awesome uh, experience and opportunity for him. Yeah, awesome. Big shout out to him. And, you know, I, I think, something that people might not completely know is, is that Minnesota has like a really fun, vibrant um, esports and, and FIFA community mm-hmm. uh, from, from top to bottom across the state. You know, I, there, there's guys up in Duluth, like uh, Andrew Campbell that, that are a big part of that. There's guys in the cities, of course, folks that have played uh, for Minnesota United, like Jay Adams and folks um, like Yosef that that have done a lot of things in, in like the lower league cup and, and that sort of uh, lower league space of, of, of e, uh, e-soccer or FIFA. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's a really cool community, a lot of cool guys in there uh, and they're very active and they're very good. And, and when, they, when they get to that bigger stage, they tend to show up. So uh, mm-hmm. it, it's always fun to see that continue to kind of grow and, and for, different people to sort of emerge from that onto the national stage. So best of luck to him. Yeah. And even, uh, uh, lamps, the, uh, current yeah. Minnesota United FIFA pro, I mean, very, very good. Um, won a few tournaments, uh, got to represent, 
uh, Minnesota United in the uh, the FIFA World Cup this uh, this this past uh, n- not the actual FIFA World Cup obviously but the E version of the World Cup. <laughs> He's playing uh, in Qatar. Uh, yeah, FIFA the game, not FIFA the organization. FIFA the game uh, World Cup uh, this past summer. So. Um, yeah, like you said, the the esports specifically when it comes to FIFA, the scene in Minnesota is really really cool, and maybe uh, maybe worth like a little expose and a little story on the um, on the website at sodasoccer.com uh, moving forward. Um, moving on though to college soccer, the Gophers end the regular season still unbeaten with a two two draw against Illinois, a huge unbeaten run to end the season of five or six games. I feel they were near the bottom of the conference and kind of looked dead in the water in mid-September. This team really turned it on at the end of the season and are now advancing to the Big Ten tournament. Um, Sophia Bowman and Kaya Harper had the Gophers up 2-0 at halftime in this one, but the Illini scored in the 75th and 88th minutes to uh, earn a draw. But either way, Minnesota going to the Big Ten tournament, and they will play start that on the road against Michigan State. And I believe the semifinals and the finals of the Big Ten tournament are going to be in Columbus at lower.com field mm. at that neutral site. So it's not the whole tournament like we had uh, alluded to before. I didn't read the fine print in the uh, the press release. This is going to be the semifinals and the finals that are at uh, lower.com field. So um, hopefully uh, Minnesota can, can kind of get that um, Big Ten tournament monkey off their back. Um, they've made the tournament twice in recent memory. Uh, since I've been here, and I believe they've been bouncing the first round both times. Mm. So uh, big opportunity here on the road, though, against Michigan State. Uh, but a good opportunity for these seniors who are plentiful and who have been here for a very long time uh, with the COVID seasons and whatnot to continue their careers and really continue to make a statement and kind of earn a legacy uh, with this uh, Gophers program. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really uh... – one, obviously, really great that they're, they're in the Big Ten tournament, that they, they get the chance to shine. They're back to the actual result, the Indiana or Illinois result, rather. Um, you know, great to see them get the, this run together to end the, the regular season on a higher note. Obviously, you get those two goals at the end, you get the draw, so it's, it's a little less fun. But uh, overall, they've been showing their quality more week to week. Uh, and and I, I think at this point, this team kind of knows uh, where its problems are. Uh, unfortunately, in this last game with those late goals, you kind of see it come back to the surface a little bit. But mm-hmm. um, they, they've clearly found some rhythm in the attack. They more often than not now seem to know how to deal with the issues within their roster. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's uh, exciting to, to have them back in the Big Ten tournament this, this weekend. And, and hopefully we can see sort of the better side of their season uh, mm-hmm. against Michigan State and they can uh, book themselves some tickets to Columbus. Uh, one final uh, piece of news on the Gophers, uh, Bowman and Gabby Cicerone were named to the all big 10 second team. And then uh, more honors as Alana Dressley earns the conference's sportsmanship award. So congrats to those ladies as they move now on to the postseason. Uh, St. Thomas won't be entering the postseason in the summit league on the men's or the women's side, but they are. And uh, as they both are uh, you know, down the home stretch, just a couple matches left. Uh, the women lose 3-1 to Western Illinois as Sofia Caballero equalizes at the hour mark, but the Bulldogs win uh, the Leathernecks win with two goals in the 80th and 90th minutes, respectively, to seal that win. And then the men were, were banging down the door 
and uh, held Western Illinois at bay for an hour, but could not hold on as they fall to the Leathernecks 1-0. Um, so season's ending on a bit of a, a sour note for both the uh, the Tommy men and women, uh, but both teams kind of took, took, took more steps forward in 2022. It was always going to kind of be an incremental um, improvement for these teams in year two. Um, both of them took steps forward. Um, St. Thomas women may have, you know, taken a bigger step forward um, themselves, um, really kind of backing up that mid-table um, prediction that was given in the uh, coaches poll in the beginning of the season. Um, but they uh, they just ended the season on a, on a rough run of form there. We're on the men's side. A few more wins this season for the men's side. Um, incremental increase there as well. But I think all in all, kind of what you would want to see in year two for the St. Thomas teams, there was a lot of inconsistency that may you may look back with a little bit less, um, I guess, you know, bright eyes about. Because um, you saw what the potential of these teams and, you know, I saw at times they didn't necessarily live up to that potential. And specifically on the women's side too, that great run of form they had in the beginning of conference play, they just really sort of hit a wall uh, midway through. But all in all, when you're looking at these seasons as a whole, you have to think that's kind of what the St. Thomas um, athletic program wants to see from these as they continue their evolution through this D- Division One, you know, transfer, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, this journey was always going to be very complicated and difficult. Uh, I think when, particularly on the on the women's side of things, when they got onto kind of a you know a hot run at the start of the year, you kind of think, oh well, maybe never mind. Maybe it's just kind of all going to figure itself out. But you know, that's just not how it works. That jump, uh, the 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 growth on and off the pitch that you have to see from program to to make that jump and and land that jump, uh, it, it's just more complicated than than two seasons. Uh, so. It's great to see them making that progress. Both teams, I think, you know, had better years. Uh, but it's probably going to take a little longer than uh, 2022 before we see, you know, sort of long-term cohesive successful projects. So uh, that's just the nature of it. I, I think that we, there's been a lot of encouraging signs, though, about the direction that both teams are in. They're producing good players. They're getting some really good results. Uh, there, there's a general growth curve to the team's form over these last two years. So, yeah, a uh, tough way to end the year uh, for both. But uh, I, I think, you know, everyone in and around those two programs should be should be happy with the general direction that they're going in. NSIC in Division Two, Minnesota State locked in that regular season championship, that top spot in the uh, uh, postseason tournament. Um, they pretty much were at the top of the table wire to wire this season. A yeah. really, really good season for Minnesota State as they look to build on that and uh, win the um, conference tournament. That's coming up here in a week or so. Uh, state tournament news on the boys' side, Class A semis, St. Paul Academy and Summit um, versus Go. Um, Do you want me to read this one? <laughs> yeah, why don't you read this? You have more I typed it. Sorry. I typed I it. So I, I, it. And I was like, wait a second. Uh, Dom's going to know more. So yeah, Dom, take the, uh, I, I, I typed this in a funny way. So, so that, that'll probably, that probably mess you up. Uh, so yeah. So, uh, uh, the semi or the quarterfinals for all this was, was this last week. We, we mentioned that last episode that that was coming up. So, 
Uh, these, this is just laying out what the semis are going to be with notes of, of how the teams got there. Uh, so Class A boys, uh, St. Ball Academy and Summit, they beat St. Cloud Cathedral 6-0, which means that they will play the winner of Southwest Christian and uh, Maranthana, uh, who are playing uh, tonight as we record, unfortunately. Uh, and then Legacy Christian, who beat uh, Rochester Lords 1-0, they will play the winner of St. Anthony Village and Pine Island, Zambroda, Mazeppa, which are also playing tonight. Uh, Class AA, uh, Hill Murray beat Austin 4-0. Big win there. So they play Richfield. Richfield beat Worthington 2-1. Uh, so both those teams in good form going against each other. And then uh, De La Salle, uh, or as my dad would say, uh, La Salle, and he finds the French pronunciation very annoying. Uh, uh, they beat Princeton 2-1. So they will play the winner of uh, Cloquet Esco Carlton, uh, which is one team, uh, against St. Cloud Tech. And then Triple A, YZ beat uh, St. Michael uh, Albertville 3-0. They're the number one seed expected to be uh, probably in the final here. They play Andover, who beat Edina uh, 1-0. And then Maple Grove, I was at this game. It was a very fun game. They beat Rochester Mayo 1-0, really intense game. They play Woodbury, who uh, beat uh, Rosemount uh, 1-0 as well. And then on the girls, single A, Providence, they beat St. Cloud Cathedral 6-1. Providence will be playing St. Anthony Village, who beat ESCO 4-2. But quick shout-out to that ESCO program, uh, their first time at state in over a decade, I believe, something like that. So shout-out to them. Uh, Breck who is not the Blake school, uh, will they beat <laughs> Rochester Lords 3-0. Uh, they will play the winner of St. Paul Academy and Summit against St. Ch uh, Charles uh, Public School. Double uh, A, girls double A, Matamidi, who beat Winona 5-1. They will play Benald St. Margaret's, who also won 5-1 against Alexandria. And then Triple A, Moundsview, who beat YZ 3-2 in a pretty crazy game. They will, a bit of an upset there. They will play Edina, who beat Centennial 4-0 quite dominantly. The other semifinal in AAA will be Rosemount, who beat St. Michael uh, Albertville 2-1. They play Stillwater, who beat Lakeville South 1-0. So lots of matchups, a couple big wins, a couple tight wins. Uh, all the semis, these are all, uh, all the, all the semifinals will be played at us bank stadium as will the finals. Uh, all those games are kind of going to be, uh, scattered across next week. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. If you already, you know, have a school you like, you should probably be following them on something. I'm sure they'll update you on that, but, uh, lots of craziness coming up at us bank stadium next week, all these teams battling it out to, to get to their class finals. And uh, I, I'm looking forward. I will, I will be there for a portion of that time uh, for my, my, my day job, uh, covering Maple Grove boys. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good one. Tuesday through Friday next yep. week at U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, there is an alternate site for the third-place matches. I yes. don't know what it is off the top I of my head. I believe it's in St. Paul somewhere. Yeah, it, it is in St. Paul. It's like the St. Paul – yeah, I, I don't know. It's yeah, St. Paul something. Know. It's in St. Paul, though. If you if you have a team in the state tournament, you are a parent or somebody associated with the team, you probably know where the third place yeah. matches. Anyways, um, that is where we'll wrap up headlines and news. Now we transfer over to top four. 
um, where we kind of pick top four stories that, um, you know, don't necessarily fit in the run of the format of the show, but are uh, important enough to bring up and talk about and discuss and a little fun in some cases. But my first top four, not so fun, but insightful and informative and important. Um, if you are a fan of Ford Madison, uh, my co-host on the Talking Flock podcast, Rob Chappell, had an exclusive postseason interview with Mingo's head coach, Matt Glazer, this week. Uh, following a, a disappointing first season at the helm, um, Madison finishing third to bottom in the uh, USL League One standings when all was said and done. Um, some really good insight from Matt. He was very honest, very candid. Uh, this also, though, included a quote about some players on the team maybe not fitting with the team's values. Um, so, yeah, some juicy stuff there. So go check that out. That's on the Talk and Flock feed. Uh, just Talk and Flock wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, it's all there. You can also follow the Twitter account at Talking Flock as well. Um, second year in a row, we've gotten a pretty candid postseason interview <laughs> from a, a Ford Madison head coach. Of course, last year, Carl Craig did not hold anything back in his postseason interview. Um, but Matt Glazer, unlike last year, uh, Matt Glazer is sure to return uh, <laughs> next season. So it won't be a situation yeah. where we get a good interview and then the coach is like, oh, three days later. Um, but yeah, interesting season for the Mingos this year and, um, really appreciative of Matt for coming on with Rob and, uh, sharing like he did. Talk and flock proving to be the most dangerous place for a forward Madison. (laughs) I'm surprised he accepted the interview to be honest. (laughs) Well, you know, but the fact that it seems like he's good to go for next season, that's good because then it'll, it'll, it'll get the curse off the podcast. Yes. Correctly. Yeah, we're, so, so we're, we're, we're expunged of all cursing uh, on the podcast moving forward. All curses. Uh, yeah, we're, we're no longer the uh, the Salem witch trials of Madison. <laughs> you can don't don't burn us at the stake, guys. We're fine. Yeah, nobody's getting fired. All right, Dom. Um, my first one will be uh, it, it's kind of it's kind of a quick for the English shout out, but it actually does connect to to uh, a stoppage time episode we did a while back. Uh, and that's just that the uh, the final for Liga Footway is this weekend on Sunday. That will be a, uh, between uh, Metropolitanos, uh, which who are based in the, the capital of Caracas, and uh, Monodas, who are from the state of Monodas. Uh, and uh, looking forward to that. It's going to be a fun time. My account for the English will be talking a lot about that. Uh, the the final will be in Caracas because uh, Metro finished higher up on the table. Um. But the uh, the connection to this podcast is that a key player from Monogas is uh, Andres Mickey Romero, who we did a stoppage time episode about because for a little bit he was rumored to be connected to uh, Minnesota United that did not play out to happen. Uh, but uh, since then, what that rumor wasn't you know didn't turn into anything with Minnesota United, but his career has gone very well since then. <laughs> Uh, Tra- transfer it- transfer rumors and transfer um, efforts are never done with Minnesota United. I mean, how yeah, long that, was that, the Mano Reynoso saga? Like almost a year. <laughs> that's, so- that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, he's made his national team debut since that rumor came out, and and now his team are one game away from uh, winning their uh, second ever uh, league title. Uh, and and that means something. A lot of Venezuelan teams are are, are on the young side. They're from you know maybe 20 years old but monodots are actually a quite old side that i'm blanking i think they're maybe 40 years old so um so that'd be quite significant but anyways shout out to that uh that's what i'm gonna be up to on sunday night and uh hey maybe if 
Monogas to win, maybe uh, some MLS clubs will be uh, back on the market for for Mr. Mickey. Who's going to win? Um, I'm going Monogas. Metro okay. are a better team. Like they're 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 a they're a better unit. Um, but I think that they uh, lack a little bit of sort of the, the passion and energy that a more historied and a little more gritty of a squad like like Monogas give you. And uh, I'm hopeful that a large contingent of, of Monogas supporters make the trip. Uh, away trips are always tough in Venezuela, but for finals, you usually see people show up pretty big. Unfortunately, Monogas is on the other side of the country from Caracas, but I'm hopeful that we see a, a, a good contingent. Uh, and I, I just think that uh, the energy is there uh, for that. Also, the last final, the away team won, and that was in, uh, that was in Caracas too. So I'm, I'm doing Monogas. All right. Um, my second top four story also has to do with soccer this weekend, but it's soccer that's happening here um, uh, in, in the States domestically. Um, of course, you have the MLS Conference Finals on Sunday, but Saturday night, you also have the NWSL Final. So, Dom, I'm thinking we make some predictions here. Uh, we'll start off with the MLS Conference Finals. Uh, 2 p.m. on Saturday, we have Austin – or 2 p.m. Sunday, excuse me. Uh, we have uh, LAFC hosting Austin in the Western Conference Finals. And then at 7, it's uh, Philadelphia Union hosting NYCFC in the East. So, Dom, who is matching up in MLS Cup? Um, you know, unfortunately, my my late-stage playoff predictions are basically all out the window now from, from our originals. So um, started so well. It looked yeah, so this, well this at the is, beginning. This is the first time refresh for me. Okay. I'm yep. going to go with – I'm going to go Philadelphia – um, because I know NYFC look pretty good right now, but I think the union can, can do it. I think that they're going to be real. Um, I think they're going to want revenge for kind of how last year went and all the issues they had with, with the other game against NMI, NYFC and there's some COVID stuff and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I think they're going to be vengeful. I think they're going to get that. And you know what? I'm going to go Austin as the dark horse here. I think LAFC yeah. barely beat the Galaxy. Like that was the most back and forth either side could win game I've seen in a, in a hot minute. Uh, so I think Austin are going to really be feeling themselves after that win over Dallas. And I, and I think they're going to make it work. I think they're going to go and get some business done. And I think we're going to have like a crazy uh, final with, you know, Austin kind of, frankly, Austin doing what uh, Atlanta United did uh, and, and making uh, MLS cup in what their second year. So um yeah, that, that's why I'm, I'm going to go with Austin and uh, Philly. Okay, so I'm going to kind of reverse what I predicted in the initial uh, predictions that we did pre-playoffs. Um, I'm still picking Philly out of the East. I'm not reversing that. But um, I picked Dallas over LAFC in the conference finals uh, mm-hmm. in the West because I thought that whoever won El Trafico would just I mean they would put all you know I just felt like there was so much emotion in that El Trafico game that they'd be vulnerable coming out of it. Seeing those two matches play out, seeing El Trafico and Copa Tejas play out, I actually think it's Austin who might be the more emotionally uh drained coming out of the conference semifinals. Um and I also think maybe the playoff and experience going on the road, going away from Q2 Stadium, um, I think that might be a factor as well. I think this LAFC team 
is is sort of built, even though that Gareth Bale isn't playing, um, and he's obviously obviously one of their one of their most notable pieces. Um, I still think that they have the dudes and they have the roster to get this done and move on to MLS Cup. So I'm sort of reversing my my thought process uh, from the predictions that we initially made on stoppage time a couple of weeks back. But I am going LAFC and Philly, the two number one okay. seed, uh, advancing to the MLS Cup final. Yeah, so, I mean that'd be a hell of a matchup. That'd be really exciting. Yeah. So yes, I just I just I looked at that Austin team. I think you know Ethan Finley's got that dog in him. So you know he does. I, I, he does I just indeed. I just I, I think there'd be something cool there. But no LAFC Philly. That could be a crazy, crazy, cool final for, for this season. So either way, I think it'll be really exciting. Or Austin NYC. Why not Austin NYC? And then Q2 Stadium's hosting MLS Cup. So and they, and they hey, can get two small banners in the in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> at least, at least we're not having MLS Cup in a damn baseball stadium. That's, that's all, true. That's, that's all true. I, that's all I'm saying. Um, all right, moving on. NWSL final is on Saturday night. It is Portland Thorns, Kansas City Current. It is a travesty that this match is not happening in Providence Park. They are going neutral site for NWSL, which I get from a media and from a spectacle perspective. You're bringing people in. I understand it from that. It's at Audi Field in D.C., but the way that Portland showed out for that semifinal breaking the NWSL playoff attendance record that was just broken the weekend prior in San Diego, which was broke. They broke uh, one from earlier in the day in Houston. It was just records <laughs> upon records upon records. Um, I can only imagine what that atmosphere would have been like at Providence park for the NWSL final on Saturday would have been really cool. I think it'd have been really special to have them hosting that, but it is going to be at Audi field. It is going to be a neutral site, which could play a factor. Um, Thorns current. Dom, who yes. you got? Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with Portland on this one. It, it's unfortunate that they're doing the neutral site thing. Like, to be perfectly honest, that's a that's a hell of a buzzkill. But, uh, you know, I, I think this Portland team, you look at the run of form they're on coming into this, they, they, just, they just seem a little too good to, mm. to be thrown off too much by a, a neutral – stadium debacle or anything like that um yeah. kansas obviously a very good team uh but they're again coming into this game with with a slightly more flawed record portland is portland uh and and i and uh you know i, I just have a feeling that that they'll that they'll they'll carry it home so yeah i'm not in portland thorns the only thing that would deter me from picking the Thorns is, you know, a lot of the media coverage for them lately, not necessarily being focused on what's on the sure. field. Sure. Um, and I think that could take a toll, but they've gotten to this point. They've gotten through it. And now that you're at the final, I feel like that coverage might focus to actually talking about the match itself and talking about what's on the field, at least for this week. Um, until you get to the off season where I think a lot of that, that obviously that conversation is going to switch back to some other things, um, as it should, as the focus should obviously making sure that we, uh, you know, things are improved within that league, um, with Portland being at the forefront of that. But, um, I mean, you have the MVP in Sophia Smith. Um, I just think Kansas city, they have, they're on a great run, but I still think, they're a year or two away from being at their most dominant, their most ready for this moment. 
Um, and so I, I'm going to pick Portland. I just think they're the, the more seasoned team. You have the MVP. Um, you're riding high. Um, yeah, I think I think the Thorns get it done and then hoist uh, the NWSL title. But it's going to be a lot of fun. And it's going to be on uh, network television as well. Yeah, Big CBS on Saturday night. Turn it on. Watch some really exciting soccer. It's been a hell of a good playoffs in uh, NWSL so far. Um, a lot of fun happening there. And the fact that it's accessible on uh, on CBS uh, for the finals is really, really cool as well. So turn that on. Enjoy that on Saturday night. And then obviously you have the MLS Conference Finals on Sunday. All right, Dom, I've, uh, my, my second thing took forever. So I will turn the floor to you for your second thing. My, mine will be relatively quick. I, I basically just decided this, this entire, uh, my entire top four contribution, maybe it was inspired by the fact that you decided to, to make stoppage time about Joseph Martinez, but uh, it, it's, it's just going to be some quick Venezuelan stuff. Uh, my, my, my second one, I'm, I'm going to do a quick shout out, and maybe I have them also on my mind because I didn't go to them. I didn't eat here this week. But there are some, uh, there's some really good Venezuelan restaurants in the Twin Cities, actually, believe it or not. And uh, I, I just wanted to shout out the, the two that I've, I've been to more. Uh, one, one is in Eden Prairie, which unfortunately is very far away from me. And that's Teke Arepa, but they make very good food. If they were closer to me, it'd probably be dangerous. So it's probably good they're in Eden Prairie. Uh, but uh, the other one is Arepa Bar, which uh, is in the, uh, the Global Market Building on uh, Lake Street. Uh, uh, which is kind of like a, almost like a kind of cafe, not cafeteria, but like, the, you know, you walk around, you can go different stalls and stuff. And uh, they make amazing food. And on Sundays, they make this thing called uh, cachapa, which is amazing. And I really suggest anybody listening who's never tried Venezuelan food, uh, uh, a Repa bar would probably make more sense if you live in like Minneapolis uh, or, or St. Paul for that matter. Uh, but go have some. It's really f- delicious, and uh, and both those places are owned by Venezuelans, uh, who you know who, who know what they're doing. They know the food, uh, so I, I just decided I'm just going to do a quick shout out to them because recently, since I've moved here, I've been taking advantage of of eating those places. And I'm used to when I lived in Duluth, my joke was that my apartment was the best Venezuelan restaurant in Duluth. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's been fun to uh, not have that be the state of my uh, my food experience anymore. Uh, so shout out to, to all those places. All right. That'll do it. Uh, quick toffee box. Everton, 3-0 <laughs> over sudden, Palace. Sudden Let's striking go. toffee box. <laughs> Let's go. 3-0 over Crystal Palace. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I was I was pretty concerned after the three-match losing streak, but it turns out Newcastle's pretty good. So losing 1-0 on the road to Newcastle, not a bad loss as it turns no. out. So um, things, still, uh, things still coming up good there. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you to everybody who is following us on Twitter, who is listening to the podcast, who reads the website, who supports us. Big thanks to Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee, to Stimulus Athletic, to Pence Homes, everybody who supports what we do. We very, very much appreciate it. Check out 10K Stoppage Time if you are a Patreon supporter, where we are going all in on the rumor. or not, and It's not even a rumor. I don't even want to call it a rumor. On the complete hypothetical that Joseph Martinez – uh, could be in a Minnesota United uniform next season. You heard it here first. Uh, but uh, so if you want all that reckless speculation, go to patreon.com, subscribe, and you will get this week's episode of 10K Stoppage Time. If not, no worries. We will catch you next week for another episode of 10,000 Pitches. Have a great weekend, everybody.